As Pastor Greg said, we're beginning a new sermon series tonight. We'll be taking a big picture look at some of the essentials of the Christian faith. So we'll talk about our situation as fallen humans. We'll talk about how Jesus is the only Savior we need and the only Savior we could ever possibly have. We'll talk about some ways that God works in our lives and how faith, grateful living, and prayer define our Christian living. And tonight we'll begin all of that by talking about comfort. Comfort. I think comfort's a pretty good place to start in talking about the Christian faith. And certainly it's fitting that tonight on this night when we've heard some bad news that we start by talking about the comfort that we have in Jesus Christ. We'll be reading from Isaiah, 40, Isaiah chapter 40 tonight. We'll read verses 1 to 11. This is God's word for us together this evening. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling, in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all mankind together will see it, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out, and I said, what shall I cry? All men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. You who bring good tidings to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good tidings to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up, do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and his arm rules for him. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. I've got just a couple points for tonight's sermon. First, being comfortable leads to disaster. And second, the Lord gives us true comfort. But first, being comfortable leads to disaster. I went to a youth convention one high school summer, and there were a lot of fun activities and speakers and musicians and whatnot. And one of the main stage speakers that year was Ken Davis. And Ken Davis, he's been around for quite a while now. He's a Christian comedian and speaker. And I was looking forward to his talk because I'd seen a couple of Ken's videos, and they were hilarious. He is just the funniest comedian ever, or something like that anyway. But when Ken went up on that stage, he didn't look like a comedian. He didn't tell any jokes. He wasn't funny. He was serious. He stood up in front of all of us, a couple thousand maybe high schoolers, and he said something like, you know, usually I'm a funny guy, but today I just have a serious message to tell you. And I can't be funny about this, kids. Your generation is dying. Your generation is dying. And then he talked about all the young people who he worked with who were just out of hope. The kids who were getting into anything and everything that they could that they thought might take their pain away. And you could tell that this guy standing up on the stage was carrying this huge, huge burden. 
but the response of most of the people in the room was pretty flat. Here was this guy who was supposed to be hilarious. He was supposed to be a comedian. This was supposed to be funny, and it wasn't. And so people kind of shifted in their seats. The crowd got fidgety. And after a while, Ken kind of changed gears, and he told some jokes, and he got more positive, and he wrapped up on a high note. But the whole speech probably would have gone a bit smoother if he just started out keeping things light. For a while there, it was kind of awkward. It was uncomfortable. And we so like to be comfortable. I think one of our great temptations here in America is to be too comfortable. Our lives are full of creature comforts, and too often we just run in the groove of our happy, secure lives. And we don't like anything that rocks the boat. We get comfortable with our nice things, our nice lives, and we just sort of coast in being comfortable. And then we become complacent. And that's the situation of God's people that Isaiah was talking to. In Isaiah chapter 39, the chapter before the one that we read for tonight, the king of Babylon sent some visitors to Jerusalem. And the king of Jerusalem, King Hezekiah, he welcomed those visitors with open arms and he showed off all the treasures of his palace and his kingdom. He takes these people from Babylon around and he shows them everything. He boasts about the great possessions he has and all his treasures and all his wealth. Look at what I have accumulated, he seems to be saying to these Babylonians. And if you know anything about ancient Babylon, you know that showing Babylon your treasures was a bit like giving a thief the code to your security system, right? So after the, after the visitors leave, the prophet Isaiah goes to the king and he tells the king, those Babylonians, those Babylonians, every single treasure that you just showed them, they're going to come back and they're going to take it all away. They're going to take all your treasures and they're going to take your descendants too and they're going to be carried off into exile in Babylon. You show all your treasures to the great big bad empire and the empire is going to come back and take them away. And you get the sense that Isaiah is rebuking Hezekiah for his stupidity, saying, what were you thinking? And you know what Hezekiah's response was? At the end of chapter 9, when Isaiah lays down this condemnation, this prophecy of doom, Hezekiah says, the word of the Lord that you've spoken is good. The word of the Lord that you've spoken is good. Basically, Hezekiah is saying destruction, exile, okay by me. And then Isaiah chapter 39 tells us that Hezekiah's thought behind saying that was, that's going to be later. There's going to be peace and prosperity and security in my lifetime. And he didn't care what happened to his treasures. He didn't care what happened to his descendants. He didn't care what happened to the people of the Lord as long as he was comfortable. Now, Hezekiah was actually one of the better kings of Judah. He did a lot of good work for the Lord. But his attitude there in Isaiah chapter 39 says a lot about why the Lord felt it necessary to let the Babylonians carry God's people off into exile. God's people had settled. They'd become too comfortable. Their kingdom was growing. The economy was prospering. Everything was in good shape. They were a growing power. And so the people just got comfortable with that. They thought their political maneuvering and their economic heft would keep them safe and comfortable. And then Isaiah comes and he says, no, no. 
that's not going to do it. War, punishment, destruction, exile, all of that was coming on the horizon. The Israelites got too comfortable, and ultimately that led to disaster in their kingdom. And complacency does that. When we disengage from God's work, and we just kind of coast along, we slide into sin. Sometimes it's active sins. We do things that are really obviously wrong. We just intentionally disobey God. We shake our fist at Him and get on with our lives. And sometimes it's more just passive sins. We just don't really pay attention to what God wants. We more or less ignore Him and we just get on with our own thing. And maybe they're good things, but they're not the best things. But both of those things lead us away from God. And every road that leads away from God leads to destruction. Isaiah's people trusted in their political relationships and their economic power to keep them safe. And I think for us here in North America and this time and place, maybe we do the same thing. We expect that our place in the world is guaranteed. We expect that between our politics and our military and our economic power that we will always be safe and comfortable. And we even demand that. We demand that life be good to us. And we look to our favorite powers and our favorite pleasures to make that happen. And so whatever political party we're part of, we say, hey, these people should make things right for us. And if our politician isn't in power, we hope for some kind of crowd to get together and make things right anyway. And on a personal level, we go out and we buy new stuff, or we turn on the television, or we go to the movie theater, or we find all kinds of things to just relax and just be comfortable. And in some respects, that makes us as Americans, the people in the world, most vulnerable to disappointment. We never expect trouble in our lives. We think things will always work right. But for almost all of us, that illusion doesn't last. Things still fall apart. Whatever we look to in this world to make us comfortable cannot do it. The things that we trust in this world to keep us safe and secure, they have no power. They have no roots. They blow away in the wind. And that's exactly what happened to Isaiah's people. They lost their power. They lost their land. They lost all their treasures. They were carried off into exile in Babylon. Being comfortable led them to disaster. And that's where Isaiah 40 steps in again. Isaiah 39 talks about the time before the exile. Isaiah 40 talks about, well, it talks about the people in exile and as they started to come back. After years of suffering, Isaiah 40 wanted to speak to the people and renew their hope. And what Isaiah says basically is that the Lord gives his people true comfort. The Lord gives his people true comfort. And that's the second big point of the sermon for tonight. A couple of really intense questions bubble up from underneath chapter 40. Some people argue that the last 15 chapters of Isaiah from here to the end are all about these two questions. And these are questions we might ask ourselves too tonight. First, has the Lord God been defeated? And second, does the Lord no longer care about his people? Given that things had gone so terribly wrong, somehow had God been knocked off the throne of heaven? 
had the Babylonian gods or some other power managed to take on the Lord and defeat him? Was God no longer in control? And if God was in control, how could he let such terrible things happen to his people? Had the Lord gotten fed up with his people and just walked out on them? Had God lost his power? Had God lost his love for his people? These are fair questions. Fair questions for the people who would read Isaiah 40. Fair questions for us today. And so Isaiah sets out to answer them. And the big picture answers are first, yes, the Lord is still God. The Lord is still in control. And then also, yes, the Lord is still with his people. Even though God's people had sinned, the Lord had not deserted them. A lot of the early chapters of Isaiah have a lot to say about judgment, but from chapter 40 on, it's almost all about comfort and hope. And so Isaiah 40 begins with those words, comfort, comfort my people. Only the Lord is able to provide true comfort. Only the comfort that he gives lasts. And then Isaiah 40 gives us several images for what that comfort looks like. Verse 3 talks about a voice calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. The highways will be made straight, valleys raised up, mountains brought low, rough ground made smooth, rugged places will become a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed. We usually take smooth, nice roads for granted, but when when roads go bad, you realize how bad it actually can be. I read a story a few years ago about a journalist who went along on a Coca-Cola delivery truck in Africa. This was a route that here probably would have taken maybe three hours, and instead there it took about 35 hours. The roads were terrible. The truck could barely move from going around the potholes, and every, every far too often there were police stops and military stops on the road, and everybody wanted a bribe. Everybody wanted a bribe. At one point, there was an officer who was arguing with them about some obscure law, and the journalist looked at the guy and said, Officer, is that really a law? And the guy patted his gun, looked at the journalist, and said, Do you have a gun? The journalist said, No. All right. The guy with the gun is the one who knows the laws. And so they paid the guy the bribe, and they kept going. Roads in a lot of the world are terrible, terrible places to be. And in the ancient world, it was the same thing. There'd often be robbers on the road. You weren't safe. Smooth roads. Smooth roads made such a huge difference in how well and how safely you could travel. And there's an even more significant dynamic there. In the ancient world, the chariot was probably the most powerful military vehicle, and you can't drive a chariot on rough roads. You just can't do it. But you make smooth roads. And all of a sudden, military power can get anywhere it needs to be really, really quickly. So if you make paths straight, you raise up valleys, you bring down mountains, and you make rough places smooth, you're preparing for an empire. Or to put it, for, put it another way, you're preparing for a kingdom. So when Isaiah gives this prediction, it's a quiet way of saying God's kingdom is coming. Prepare the way for God to bring the kingdom of justice and might. God is going to bring his power to bear to make things right. 
God will make things right. In another image the text gives us, it talks about how people are like grass. And the grass withers and the flowers fall. Grass withers and flowers fall. And those verses were meant to speak to the people of Israel at a time when their hopes had withered away. When they'd lost the promised land. When it, thing, when it seemed like everything in their lives was just falling apart. When they wondered if God was still faithful. When they wondered if God still loved them. Maybe everything good in their lives had just withered away. But then in the last line of verse 8, Isaiah says, But the word of the Lord endures forever. Everything else can wither and fall away, but the good word of our good Lord endures forever. When everything else had fallen apart, when things were bad, Isaiah 40 invites the people back to the only true foundation. The word of the Lord endures forever. And then in verses 9 to 11, a messenger is told to go out and to proclaim that the Lord is coming in power and judgment, and also that the Lord is coming like a gentle shepherd, come to take care of his sheep. A shepherd who takes the lambs in his arm and cares for the flock. That's an image that probably brings up Psalm 23 for most of us. The Lord is our good shepherd who comes to take care of his flock. This is the shepherd who cares about his sheep enough to go out looking for even one lost lamb. This is a shepherd who will take on wild animals to protect his people. This is a shepherd who will lay down his life for his sheep. So Isaiah gives us several images for how the Lord takes care of his people. It gives us several reasons to be comforted. The Lord comes with almighty power bringing his kingdom. The word of the Lord stands forever. Everything else can wither and blow away, but God's word will stand. And then the Lord is our good shepherd. He is the one who truly cares for us. Now, all of those images found some kind of fulfillment in the Old Testament people of God, but really, really they were fulfilled in the coming of Jesus Christ. Several of the Gospels in the first couple chapters quote Isaiah 40 in some sections to talk about how the coming kingdom of God is here. John the Baptist uses these words to say that he's preparing the way for someone to come after him. And then Jesus comes and says, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God has come. The kingdom that no other power can stand up to. The kingdom that will never fail. The kingdom that lasts forever. When Jesus came, he brought that kingdom. Now we still only see that in fits and starts today. We don't see it in all its glory and completeness. But in Jesus. In Jesus' work, God shows us the beginning of his kingdom. And he assures us that he will make things right. And that's where we get true comfort from. The comfort that Jesus brings us doesn't always make us comfortable. Sometimes it shakes up our lives and actually makes them harder if we really try to follow God in this broken world. But it also makes our lives better. It gives us a foundation that can't be shaken. This isn't the kind of comfort that just makes us comfortable and able to sit back and enjoy the ride. 
It's not comfort to make us complacent, but it's comfort to make us strong. This comfort should strengthen our faith and should give us what we need to endure even the hardest times. Our faith is more often lived out in the valleys than on the mountaintops of life. We live out our faith in the middle of the battle between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the world. We live out our faith in a world where evil runs rampant and where so many things are broken. We live out our faith in a world that offers us all kinds of comforts that aren't any good. We live in a broken, terrible, terrible world. I got the call that Jack had passed away on my way to church this evening, and I pulled over to take the call, and after I hung up, I thought, what in the world do we do next? What in the world do we do next? And I had to think for a little bit, and then I thought, what we do next is we go back to Jesus. We go back to Jesus and the only true comfort and the only true hope that we ever had. None of us knows what tomorrow brings, right? Let alone next year or next decade. But we know that in Jesus we have a Savior who carries us through everything. If we find our comfort in Jesus, we find a peace that carries us through all of life's circumstances. It gives us the power to work for the kingdom of God even when things don't seem to be going our way. And so we can get real deep comfort from the reality that Jesus has paid for our sins with his precious blood. And he does set us free from the tyranny of the devil. And he watches over us forever, no matter what happens. No matter what happens. If we belong to Jesus, nothing can really touch us. If you belong to Jesus, there is nothing that can really touch you. And there is no greater comfort to be had in this world. And if you have that fundamental sense of comfort, that deep, deep sense of peace, then you can risk everything to follow God because there really is no risk. If deep in your heart you have Jesus as your strength, then you have the power to serve without reservation. And when we truly experience the comfort that belonging to Jesus brings, then the valleys are still hard, but they aren't as frightening anymore somehow. Life can be hard, and we can still be okay because Jesus is with us. Comfort, comfort. Comfort, comfort, my people, is the message of the Lord to us. We belong to Jesus in body and soul, in life and in death, And so we can be assured of eternal life and we can commit ourselves to wholehearted service. Be comforted. Be comforted because we belong 